What is the Epskies, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the GX Hockey Cast. We're on episode 88, William Nylander of my little hockey recap show, where once a week I go through all of the major news and what's happening in the NHL, mainly focusing in on the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Calgary Flames, because those are my two favorite teams, but I'll be talking about all 32 teams on this podcast. So what do we have on tap for today? Well, the hammer finally dropped in Columbus. We have a legend who was honored in Pittsburgh. Possibly the greatest goal-scoring season of all time is happening before our eyes. And of course, the trade deadline is only a couple of weeks away. So we'll dive into some of the potential storylines heading into this trade deadline. So let's kick it off with Columbus news. Yarmo Kekalainen, one of the longest tenure GMs, probably the longest, uh, well, was the, the longest reigning GM in the NHL, has now been fired by the Columbus Blue Jackets. So let's try and break that down as best as we can. So this is something that, I mean, has been drawn out for a very long time, I feel like. I, I'm, I'm surprised that Yarmo Kekalainen last, lasted this long throughout this season. I mean, he's had a very long history. I was, <laughs> I was looking through his trade history and signing history. It is so long, there's, there's really no way I can break down his entire history as the GM of the Columbus Blue Jackets. There's so many trades and and signings to break down. So we'll try and just focus in on this latest season because that's kind of uh, where the most mistakes have been happening recently. Kind of ever since the that that playoff run where they took down Tampa Bay and that big upset series, they, they kind of have lost what they had that season and uh, still trying to recover recapture that mag that magic of of having some success in the playoffs which you know uh, Columbus has not had very much uh, success in the offseason in the playoffs I mean in their entire history one series win one and a half series wins if you count the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, which I do personally I, I you know a lot of people say they don't count that I 100% percent count that as like the Leafs like a double whammy for the Leafs not only did they miss the playoffs but they lost a playoff series that year as well and that makes no sense but but there you go so lacking the success in Columbus I mean this year they they tried I mean I will say that in the offseason they did try to address the defense especially now they brought in Provorov which I didn't hate that move the, the Damon Severson one, now that was the questionable one, like, um, Damon, Damon Severson's never been known to be a very good defenseman, like a, a defensive guy, but uh, he can bring the offense back there, he can put up points as a defenseman, so they brought him in, gave him a lot of money and a lot of term, and it hasn't really worked out, Provorov, you can argue, hasn't really worked out, there's been talks around him possibly getting moved, and all the other guys that they brought in and now it seems like they brought in too many defensemen and none of them really has broken out to become like a, a bona fide top defenseman for that team which has made Juracek fall down in the depth charts and he is from all accounts an NHL worthy defenseman and he is playing in the minors one of their higher rated prospects in their organization and he's upset he's made it known that he does he should be playing in the NHL he's better than some of the people on the roster right now and it's just the matter of fact that he's on a two-way contract and doesn't have to clear waivers that's why he's playing in the minors right now but not a great idea and they've done it to Kent Johnson as well another young forward prospect for the Columbus Blue Jackets and a center at that which they have been dying for a a true number one center in Columbus for their entire existence question mark I can't remember a top center playing for Columbus in a long time and I know Boone Jenner is an all-star but that guy is not a number one center on a quality NHL team he's a good player but like second third line on a very competitive team at best so yeah they've been trying to address the center situation they've been trying to address the defense situation the goaltending situation the the fact that people in in the history of Columbus hasn't you know been lining up to come and play for the Columbus Blue Jackets now they kind of 
figured that out with Johnny Goudreau, and then the whole Johnny Goudreau signing in that of itself has been a huge disaster. Like, yeah, great that they had a guy with a lot of name and star power behind him, uh, making it very known that, hey, I want to be in Columbus, this place rules, and everyone should should know about it, and then he proceeds to have his worst seasons of his entire career since showing up there, and it's just been a big disappointment, he's been getting benched, and yeah, it hasn't been a good run for Johnny Goudreau and the Columbus Blue Jackets, you got Patrick Laine, who is currently in the player assistance program, the, the Pierre-Luc Dubois situation, which, I mean, you know, it was a very tough situation uh, to deal with when you have a, a young, highly touted prospect center for your team who makes it known that he doesn't want to play for your organization anymore, and you kind of have to make do with what you did to bring in Patrick Line, which, you know, wasn't a bad trade at the moment, but for what Columbus needed... They really need centers, and they they still haven't been able to fill that gap that Dubois left for them. And is Dubois really a top-line center? We see what he's doing in L.A. right now. Well, doesn't look like it, but he would have been the top-line center for Columbus throughout his what, however long he would have been there. But, yeah, man, there's been a lot of swings and misses with Yarmo and the Columbus Blue Jackets. And probably the biggest swing and miss, which is still just beyond baffling for me is the Mike Babcock signing now I don't know how fucking how much of a percentage Yarmo had in bringing in Babcock does that have anything to do with John Davidson the owner of the Columbus Blue Jackets like how much of of all this mess should be put onto his plate how much of it should be on Yarmo so on and so forth but regardless I mean Babcock comes in it's it is it's going to go down as one of the most just boneheaded brain dead fucking decisions an NHL organization has ever made and yeah it went uh, about as bad as it could have the guy didn't even get to coach one single game before he got fired already had a big old controversy and yeah that pretty much put a big old voodoo and a stink on the Columbus Blue Jackets season and you know for a second there i thought maybe the Babcock thing, you know, just getting rid of him before, maybe that could have united the team together, but no, it didn't, everything's going wrong, and nothing's getting better, man, there, there's really not a lot, I don't think there's really anything positive to look at with the Columbus Blue Jackets this season, other than maybe, like, those uh, Chinikovs and stuff, like, some of those guys are playing okay, putting up some goals and shit, and yeah, Boone Jenner, got an all-star selection and he did well in the all-star game there there's that but yeah there's just so much bad stuff Merz Lickens let's talk about that guy I mean pretty I mean it was a good start for Merz Lickens it looked like this guy was at a time there he looked like he was the one of the best young up-and-coming goaltenders in the league he signs a pretty nice ticket which at the time looked like hey if Merzlikens keeps going at his projection and continues to grow, that's going to be a bargain contract, and that has been a disaster as well. And that's not, you can't, there's so much around Merzlikens, you know, the passing of his friend and, and so much other shit. And Merzlikens hasn't had a good NHL season in a couple years. He's played decent this year, but still not great. Not good enough that uh, teams are going to be lining up to acquire his services. But yeah, he's made it known as well. He wants to get the hell out of there, and at this point, I don't really blame any of the players. It's a real mess, and but uh, yeah, there's some guys there that want to stay. You know, Boone Jenner wants to stay. There's there's talk around, is there a possibility of that guy getting traded, the current captain of the team, and like I said, he's made it known that he wants to stay. He wants to be here leading the team in the turnaround and, and hopeful future successes for the Blue Jackets, but yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's going to be a really tough job for the next GM to come in and try and clean up this mess. It's a big mess that that I feel like has been snowballing since, you know, Panarin left and Bobrovsky left. They've been trying to cobble together a team that can get back into the playoffs and it just hasn't worked. Some of these a lot of the prospects that they've been drafting haven't really turned out the way that they've wanted to. They haven't been able to score a top draft pick. You know, they haven't had a first overall pick since Rick Nash. Yes, they got Adam Fantilli last draft, and he looks to be a fantastic player. But, 
yeah, just Columbus hasn't had a lot of luck in any category, man. They they've really have struggled. There hasn't been a lot of bright spots for Columbus, but um, and it 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 will it'll be probably getting darker before we get any more any form of dawn for this Columbus Blue Jackets team. But right now, it looks like a real fucking mess. I I, I, I how much worse is it going to get for Columbus? I don't know. It's also um, pretty weird. Not, I mean, everything's weird about Columbus right now, but firing your GM, what, two weeks out from the trade deadline. And, you know, uh, Columbus, Yarmo has had a pretty decent track record at the trade deadline, you know, getting a lot of value, getting a lot back for players. I mean, I can remember how much they got out of the Leafs for Nick Felino, who was damaged goods, and they just took Toronto to the cleaners in that deal, so... You know, it's going to be interesting to see what Columbus is going to do at this trade deadline with a new guy in there. It's going to be weird, man. It's going to be really fucking weird to see how Columbus deals with the rest of this season. It's it's pretty much already done. They're they're just going to be a lottery team. I I can't really see them getting any much better or any sort of bump. Their current coach, it seems like they're going to stick with him. It's not really his fault. He came into a horrifying situation, so I, I can't see him being in any danger of losing his job this season. Probably going to give him at least a run, see what he can do next year as well. But yeah, it's going to be even more dark days for the Columbus Blue Jackets ahead. Um... Yeah, I don't know where this is going to, when this is going to start looking better, a year, a two years, three years, who knows, is this going to be a Buffalo Sabres situation where it just goes on for decades, and there's just no sign of anything good coming, so Columbus Blue Jackets fans out there, if if you're out there listening, I am so sorry for what you guys are having to go through right now, it sucks, but at least you got a really good fan base there, great fans, um... Really good-looking jerseys most of the time. And, yeah, man, this this just sucks. So let's try and slide into something that doesn't suck. Let's talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins and Yaramir Yagers, number 68, getting raised to the rafters last week, this week, whatever. I didn't get to check that out just yet, but uh, hearing tons of fantastic stories throughout that night. I mean, uh, the Penguins coming out wearing the mullets, uh, for Yarmir Yager, Crosby wearing the mullet, that was awesome, Yager skating with the team, you know, hanging out at practice with the boys, that looks so good, could this guy, you know, str- why not, I-, I think they should have done that, I mean, who gives a shit, I know their season is still uh, very high pressure and very high tension right now, but fuck it, sign Yarmir for one day, let him play one more game in the NHL for the Penguins, why not, that would have been so much fun, but he was out there having fun. The The ceremony for him was fantastic. I heard the clip of him kind of making fun of his own, like, lifestyle. You know, Yarmir, he doesn't have a family, didn't have kids. He's a playboy. He likes to date and, and, and go out with hot young women. He's not a big drinker, but he likes to go out and have fun. And he's, he's a hockey player. And he's not shy of that fact. And he was like... You know, he's like, oh, I don't even think my current girlfriend even knows how I played for the Pens because she's like 23 and he's like 50-something. And, you know, the, you get, the crowd's reaction was great. He was laughing. Everyone was laughing. And that's just the legend of Yarmir Yager. The guy is unfreaking believable. He is still playing professional hockey at in his 50s, which is insane. He owns a team in the KHL or whatever. He's an all-time, one of the greatest hockey players of all time ever and yeah he is still just an amazing character and the, the the talk about just let the guy go into the hall of fame i mean i don't think anyone in the world is going to get angry if you just push aside the stupid rule of oh he's got to be retired for three years until we put this guy in the hall of fame just put the guy in the freaking hall of fame he's probably never gonna stop playing hockey he'll he'll just continue even if he's only playing one game two games he's still gonna keep doing it if he can until doctors say you you just can't get on the ice no more Yarmir is gonna stay on the ice so congratulations to Yarmir Yager one of the greatest players of all time and he's still going strong still slaying beautiful women and good for him speaking of good for him Let's talk about Montreal for a second. So, I know Montreal's not having the greatest season. They're still in the rebuild, yada, yada. But I took notice of fucking Uri Slavkowski right now 
is on fire. Oh my goodness. Uh, this kid right now, he he's absolutely killing it. And he's starting to look like that first overall pick, which is fantastic news for the Montreal Canadiens. He is currently riding a eight-game point streak, and yeah, man, he is looking really good. One, two, three, four, five, six goals during that eight-game streak as well, and he's playing some good minutes. You know, I'm seeing a lot of 19 minutes, 20, 20, 19, 23 minutes, so this is great. This is great news, and yeah, man, I, I, it makes me even more excited for what he is going to be able to do next year. He had a little bit of a slow start this year, and yeah, man, it's starting to look like he's taken off, and, and like, that's fantastic, and he looks like he is going to be, like, man, I'm, I'm a little bit jealous of Montreal fans. This kid looks like a ton of fun to have on a team. He's very fired up, looks like he has a lot of personality on the ice. I was watching a Montreal game the other day. And he missed a he missed a one time shot to potentially probably it was probably going in and it got blocked and he just like smashed his stick on on the on the wall there and he he just looks very passionate he looks like a player that could be very very dominant in this NHL he looks like he is turning into a a nice power forward like uh like if Josh Anderson was was really good or I don't know I don't think this guy is hitting like Matthew Kachuk levels but. Looking really good for Uri Slavkowski right now, so keep your eyes out on that guy. He is killing it right now. I only took notice because I was playing uh, Fantasy last week. I was playing a guy that had him, and I was like, holy shit, he absolutely killed it this week. And yeah, I took notice of Slavkowski absolutely murdering it right now. So yep, like I said, watch out for that guy. But I think the guy that uh, that everybody in the NHL, possibly the world, is watching out for right now is Austin Poppy Matthews. This guy is just on a different planet right now. And I say that a lot about Austin Matthews, but this year, people are talking about Austin Matthews' season right now. This could go down as the greatest goal-scoring season of all time time so that's pretty crazy when you have you know such amazing goal scoring seasons as Timu Stolani's rookie season Alexander McGillney's like 70 something 80 something goals Brett Hall's 80 something goals Gretzky's 93 goals and shit like that so Austin Matthews his season's not even done yet and he's already getting put into that echelon and of course uh what people are talking about is the well the most recent one is the Alexander Ovechkin 65-goal season that happened in this era, in the salary cap era. So that's the one that people are looking for Matthews to to smash this year because no one's hit the 65 goals since Ovechkin did it. We got close last year with McDavid at 64. We're getting closer every year, and currently Matthews is on a 75-goal pace. This is fucking crazy. And it was a very, very crazy week for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So, not only, like Matthews right now, what, he's got six hat tricks. He scored two hat tricks this week or something like that. Absolutely ridiculous. He's already got six. The all-time Leafs season record, I think, is six with Matt Sundin. So, he can if he gets one more, he's crushing that. All-time for an NHL season, I think, was nine with Gretzky. Or possibly ten with Gretzky. Did that twice. So, yeah, could Matthews get 10 hat-tricks in a season? I don't know about 10, but I feel pretty confident that he, sh- he could get at least one more and pass Sundin and, and at least hold that record for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I think all said and done, easily at this point, Matthews is going to hold every goal-scoring record for the Toronto Maple Leafs in, in soon. Very soon, he's going to nail all of that stuff, and he's continuing onward this season. He's damn near a goal per game. He's got... 49 and 53 games or something like that 54 games and he can hit 50 goals tonight against the Arizona Coyotes I feel like he is doing this on purpose I felt like the last game he could have got that other goal but he's like you know what fuck it I'll save it I'll save 50 for Arizona and he's gonna do it man I think with 100 there's if if I was a betting man which I'm not I'd put money on Matthew scoring 50 tonight against Arizona he is 100% doing it they got half the building rented out for Austin Matthews and Matthew Nyes' friends and family. So, yeah, they're going to have like 50, 60 people in there. The mullet only holds like 49 people. So, there you go. Uh, it's going to be an interesting game tonight, late game. And that's not the only interesting game that they had this week. Holy fuck. Let's just, let's just stop and talk about that Anaheim game for a minute. 
fucking duck hunting season was that game. That was a lot of fun. So usually, uh, at least for me, growing up as a Leaf fan, when the Leafs play bad teams, they rather lose to that team or they're, that goalie that they're playing has the night of their life like Dostal did last time the Leafs played the Ducks. And I literally was just writing up the text to the homie Kyle. I'm like, oh, do you think Dostal's going to have the, another game of his life tonight? And just as I was writing it out, bam, the Leafs scored pretty damn quick. And then another one, and then another one, and another, and another, and it just wouldn't stop. And they ended up putting nine freaking goals up against the Ducks. And that should be freaking expected by this team, man. Like, the team that we have versus the team that the Ducks have, it should be duck hunting season when the Leafs roll in, and that's exactly what they did. And I was very happy about it. I was very, very happy to see that because more often than not, I really dread when the Leafs have a bottom-feeding team coming up on the schedule because they just they tend to play down in their, to their opponents and... Yeah, definitely not that game, man. They were kicking the shit out of the Ducks. They were racking up points, and it was a lot of fun. I I enjoyed that game. Um, It was a long game because of all the freaking goals that were going on in there. That was was something. Also, William Nylander hit his 500th point. Congratulations to Willie Nylander, who's... Played better since, um, you know, called a lot of people have been calling him out since his contract extension was signed. He has not been playing like the William Nylander at the beginning of the season. He's been playing better, more like that William Nylander. But I don't know how much of that, that William Nylander we're going to see ever again. That guy was motivated by money, and now he's got it. That motivation's not going to be there, but hopefully he finds... Most of that motivation once we get back to the playoffs, if the Leafs make the playoffs, that's not a guaranteed, but they have been playing really good without Morgan Riley. Now, I kind of hinted at it. I didn't expect them to go 4-0, and potentially 5-0 and without Morgan Riley, but I did expect this team to rally around the loss of Morgan Riley. Like, that guy is the heart and soul of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like, he, he should be, like... I don't, re- I don't really care about the captaincy all that much, but, I mean, Morgan Riley, Austin Matthews, they're like the captains of this team. They they wear, like, Morgan's an absolute warrior. And, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I didn't expect the, the Leafs to, to do this. Uh, they're doing very, very well without Morgan Riley. And, no, Morgan Riley is not the problem with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Don't, don't be like that. But... You're getting you're getting performances out of the depth of this team, and I don't even remember that dude's name that was in the game the other night. But it just goes to show that the Leafs, their their depth is it's not outstanding, but it goes in there, and you know not quite Tampa Bay Vegas levels, but guys go in there and they get it done. It's just they're getting it done. Do we need, like, it's not something, they're not going to be in there for four months or something. If they're in there for four months, it'd probably be really bad. But it's good enough, the depth has shown to be decent enough that they can they can slap a Band-Aid there. And they're still winning games. Samsonov has been outstanding, arguably one of the best goaltenders in the league since he has been recalled up. He's been playing very well. Martin Jones, getting it done. And Joseph Wall is getting closer. He just got... Uh, signed for a contra- or, um, a conditioning stint with the Marlies, so he could be back in, uh, who fucking knows at this point, could be a week, could be seven years, I have no idea at this point, but they're very much so not rushing Joseph Wall, which is good, you know, I'm sad because I got him on fantasy, but, but good in the long run of this guy's career, you don't want to have to rush him back when he's not fully healthy and then risk it getting worse, and, and yeah, so we don't want that, thankfully Samsonov has found his game, the Leafs have rallied around the loss of Morgan Riley and should hopefully only get better once he returns to the lineup. And I should also mention that it wasn't Lilligren who had mono. I believe he actually did have mono, but he didn't get it again. It's Connor Timmins who caught the mono, I believe. And Lilligren, while we're on him, shout him out. He has stepped up very nicely. He's playing on the top line with uh, Brody, maybe? I don't know, but he's playing top line minutes. He's like the only right-handed shot that we have, and he's been doing fine. So there's that. We all know that the Leafs are still looking for depth, uh, looking for blue line help. I know Christopher Tanev is still looks like their number one target. I don't think Noah Hannafin is in the... That's I think that's just going to be too much, and... 
you know, I don't believe, like, just because the Leafs came out and said, hey, we don't want to trade away Mitten, we don't want to trade away this guy or that that guy, but if if it fuck, I mean, if it's there, I'm not I'm not gonna say that it's going to be a 100% no. If if the Leafs can acquire Hannafin and they can get it down to like a first and um, you know a player, uh, they they might they might do it. I don't know if it can happen with the salary cap and shit like that. But if if a team's gonna figure it out, the Leafs are gonna figure it out, I guess. But a lot of other teams sniffing around Noah Hannafin. We'll we'll get there when we get to the trade deadline stuff. But yes, the Leafs still need help on the blue line for the playoff run. But right now, doing just fine. Uh, but not not you know I I'm not saying that it's okay. It's just we need help on the blue line. It, hopefully, it's coming. But back to Austin Matthews. Let me know how many goals do you think that Poppy is going to finish with? Let's just say he he plays a nice healthy season. He gets all the games in. I think all said and done, what, is there 30 games left? He's at 49 games. I can, I'll go, fuck it, 70 goals on the dot. He's hitting 70. Let's do this. I think at minimum, he's he's going to pass that, that 65, that Ovechkin, and he is going to have the best goal-scoring season at, at minimum of the salary cap era. There's a lot of... You know, oh, era adjusted this and that or the other. I don't really buy into the whole era adjusted thing. I think Gretzky scoring 93 goals. That's 93 goals. He scored 93 goals. I think that should be the the greatest goal scoring season. It's the most. Is it the most impressive? Uh, I didn't see. I I didn't see it, but. I think 93 goals, that's still the most impressive to me. But what do you think Austin Matthews finishes off with as we move on? Let's move on to these um, stadium series games, uh, particularly the New Jersey-Philadelphia Flyers. They had their stadium series game. I didn't get to watch much of it. I just kind of peeked in to see what it looked like. Looked like a stadium game on the outdoors. Not really my thing to watch on TV, though. I hear every single time there's one of these things and people are interviewed, like, oh, yeah having a good time like oh it's the most amazing time of my life i I love everything i love you i love me oh la 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 but uh yeah for the people there yeah it seems like a blast everyone's having a great time fantastic uh for for us viewing at home it's just kind of a hockey game outdoors and it's fine but the jerseys look pretty good i know people were really high on the i think it's the new jersey ones that people were loving i mean yeah that yeah they look good they look good more importantly uh, the Philadelphia Flyers have named Sean Couturier the new captain of your Philadelphia Flyers about frickin' time. And it's been a fan- just another piece to this fantastic story that hit- has been the Sean Couturier story and the Philadelphia Flyers as a whole. I mean, really low expectations coming in. Like my son, I had them like dead last in, the, in, the, in their division. Didn't have a lot of hope for them, but getting Sean Couturier back, the Tortorella system is like fully in place at this point. Their systems are set. They have their identity, and Couturier is like a very, like just on paper, he seems like a Tortorella guy, defensively responsible and all that stuff, a fantastic leader. He looks, he is like your prototypical Philadelphia Flyers, got the orange hair, the beard, fucking mm, love it. And It's just been a great story for him, battling back from all those injuries. He's been playing so good this year. The Flyers have been a huge surprise success uh, this season. And a lot of, I'm not going to say all of it, is on Sean Couturier. But a huge part of that is getting him back in the lineup. They've been missing this guy. And he's a huge part of that team. To see him getting the captaincy, that is freaking awesome. And the other awesome thing about the stadium series that I saw was the outfits that the teams were wearing. Fucking awesome. So I think it was Philadelphia. They all came out dressed as Rocky with the the gray track suit running up the steps and shit. Awesome. But the best by far was New Jersey. They all came out dressed as the Sopranos. That was amazing. And I would say half of those dudes looked like they were extras out of the Sopranos. They looked fucking excellent the hair slicked back the gold chains the fucking uh the the track suits oh it was a beautiful thing beautiful thing who won the games i I think new jersey won and the islanders again oh my god dude okay i watched this game and the islanders let's just spend a minute with the islanders and they're, they're that that team is really getting me upset now okay how many fucking blown leads has this team had this year? Actually, I think I know the number. I think it was 13. 
blown third period leads that the Islanders have had this year. And again, this is super not like the Islanders. We remember the Islanders under Barry Trotz. Was it Trotz? Anyway, as being this insanely defensive stalwart team. If, if, if they got a goal or two on you before you did, game over. They're going to hold you down. They're going to, they're going to, um, what do you fill up the middle of the ice? You're not going to get fucking shit on this team. And now it's completely flipped. Like this team can get leads. They go up and then they blow these leads in spectacular fashion. And I have personally witnessed this at least four or five times on my own. I am not an, a New York Islanders fan, but I do have Ilya Sorokin on my fantasy team. And holy shit, man, I, I, I am stunned at, at what this team is is doing the the collapses that they are having in in third periods their penalty kill is atrocious like i don't even understand how it can be that bad it doesn't even make sense it's on the same level of the pittsburgh penguins power play being as bad as it is but this is mind-blowing man like they brought in patrick wad like nothing's really changed i don't think we're gonna see a a big change maybe until next season when he can like get his his hands really into the team and and really get it going but right now they look exactly like they were playing under the previous coach which wasn't good like they're trying to score more but it is not their identity the team that was built prior was a defensive stalwart team fantastic defense shot blocking uh, penalty kill obviously was a lot better than it was and you got Elias Sorokin back there and i don't know if it's just the Islanders are just giving up way more good scoring chances, which I am seeing. Yes, they are giving up a lot of really nice scoring chances. Uh, I don't know. They got to change that strategy up, and I don't. I don't even. I, I don't think it's a good strategy ever, especially in this NHL, for teams to try and just hold on to a lead and just sit back, dump and chase, and let the teams just keep attacking and attacking. I don't think that's a great way to defend. It never works for the Toronto Maple Leafs. The the best way for the Leafs and maybe the Islanders at this point is just to keep pouring on that offensive pressure. Do not stop because you know I I'm not I have zero confidence in the Leafs holding a lead as much as I do have the Islanders holding a third period lead at this point. It is it's almost a guaranteed. Like when I was watching that game and you're seeing the Rangers, they're starting to get it going. I'm like they're tying this game up. They did and then they win it and it's just like. Well, that was predictable. Like, you could see that coming a mile away. Like, once the first goal went in, you could just... The body language on the ice with the Islanders, it was just fucking over. And it's bad, man. It's really looking bad. I don't think there's any way this team is making the playoffs this season. And, yeah, they got to figure it out. They got to change... Figure something out. And I know, like, losing... Rather, it was Pollock or Pellick. That's a huge blow to that team. They're they're very, very important to their defense. Probably a big reason why their penalty kill numbers are taking such a drastic hit this year. And maybe Sorokin, I mean, I don't think maybe. I think most definitely Sorokin is facing way too much rubber. For some reason, they're not using Varlamov as much as they should. He's been playing well, but not getting any ice. To, I don't know, man. The Islanders this year probably the most frustrating team to watch on the ice besides like the sabers and the senators and shit but fuck me on sunday the the islanders i i they're, they're i just i gotta stop watching them i feel like i'm bad luck for them just watching them is just filling me with anxiety especially because they always have a lead for some reason and they never are able to hold on to it so the islanders got to figure that shit out uh, i don't think they're gonna figure it out this season but we'll see what happens with them next year and also people giving shit to the islanders because everyone all the other the four teams that were in the stadium series they're all dressing up and having fun and then there's the islanders still wearing their suits and ties and and being that and this but like that's that's what lou does that's what lou has always done no fun we are a professional hockey team we we trim our faces up and we wear suits that's what we do it's a bonding thing it's a team bonding thing if it was like Oh, the captains of this team can do whatever they want. They can grow beards and mustaches, whatever. Everyone else, follow the rules. Then that wouldn't be so okay. But the fact that everybody's in the same boat, even Lou Lamorello, he's shaven too, I think it's fine. It's it's a little annoying, but if everyone's doing it on the team, then fine. I, I, I'm fine with it. But yeah, just a little something-something right there. Speaking of a little something-something... 
The New York Rangers are back, baby. They are currently riding a eight-game winning streak. And, yeah, especially that win there over the Islanders. That was a, a feisty, pretty damn fun game right there. And, shit, man, what was it? I feel like a week, maybe two weeks ago, we are talking about the Rangers really struggling. And, oh, shit, what are they going to do? And now they're on a game winning streak and everything seems to be just dandy again. Uh, Shesterkin is starting to play a little bit more like Shesterkin. Again, I think those the, the couple years there where Shesterkin was on a different planet, I think those are going to probably go down as career years for him. Those numbers were th- those were going to be very hard numbers to match and get to again. But and especially the more years that you're in the league, the more the book is going to get written on you as a goaltender, they're going to know where your weak spots are, but he's rebounding back very, very well along with the whole team as the Rangers, which is great, but there's a little bit of bad news to go along with their awesome winning streak, and that is Blake Wheeler is going to be out for the remainder of the season. It appears that, I didn't see the video yet, but I think he broke his leg or something. It was bad, and yeah, it's obviously bad if he's going to be missing the remainder of the season, and that sucks for the Rangers. I think he was playing on their top line, and I know he had a, a rough start to the beginning of the season. I don't think he had a point in like the first 10, 15 games or something like that. But he's been fine after he's been put, putting up points, playing decently. He can't really complain with that cap hit. But now he's done. And that leads to a, a hole or two in the in the Rangers lineup. I think on the wing. I think they have VC right now playing on the top line, which is not ideal. But he's, you know, he's not bad. But... Yeah, so the question is, like, are the Rangers going to be adding at the trade deadline, and who could they potentially add? It's going to be very interesting right there to see what they could potentially add. I mean, I don't know how, I don't think they have a whole lot of cap space right now. Well, according to Cap Friendly, they have about $4 million to play with, so this is very interesting. So, on top of Blake Wheeler being out for the remainder of the season, also Philip Hedel, we talked about that a few weeks ago. He is also out, and that's a pretty big piece for their lineup right there so is there a potential for the Rangers to look at a guy like a a Frank Vitrano from Anaheim add that on their wing I think that could be a really nice ad right there for the Rangers so I guess now that we're kind of on the trade deadline talk let's just start getting into that right now and we'll go through some of the names that could be on the move so also with the Rangers is there a possibility for a Jake Gensel possibly to get traded over there now the problem with Gensel is that he just recently got injured he's going to be out four weeks which apparently puts him past the trade deadline now I do believe that he could still be traded I don't think teams are really going to be warded off all that much from this this little injury right here I still think the price is still going to be set pretty firm with Jake Gensel I'm surprised there isn't uh, more heat and fire, smoke, whatever, what have you around Jake Gensel. Uh, he, at, from what I can tell, he looks like the biggest piece that could be moved at the trade deadline that's still currently out there. A consistent 40-goal guy, a Stanley Cup champion, been playing with Crosby for years, uh, having a fantastic season. I think he over a point a game uh, season for him going up until his injury. So is there a potential for Gensel to move? But that's that's going to be a big one right there because that's that's not going to be an easy call for Dubas to make in the Penguins. They got Crosby over there who is having an outstanding season for his age. But we know the Penguins are struggling. They're like nine points out of the playoffs. It really doesn't look like it's going to happen. So what are they going to do? They're just going to be like, well, fuck, man. Like, we, we have a team to run here. Like, I know Crosby is Crosby's a legend. We love you and everything. But I don't think there's a chance in hell that they're going to win another Stanley Cup in Pittsburgh the way that the team is right now. It's just it's just not going to happen. So if, the, if they're not going to be able to re-sign Gensel, then trade him away. You got to trade him away. You got to start getting something back in those cupboards. They've traded away so many prospects and picks. There's There's virtually nothing left which leads us to another conversation is is Crosby ever going to leave Pittsburgh is there is that ever going to be a possibility I think he's on his last year or he has one more year left on his deal if things don't go well this season they miss playoffs last year they miss again this year chances are they're not going to make it next year either so is there a possibility that Crosby gets moved to like Colorado or something like that. We we everybody wants to see Nathan McKinnon and Crosby 
playing on the same team. That would just be so fucking sick. Crosby and McDavid somehow, could that ever happen? But that's that's just the craziness, you know? Like, uh, the, the thought of Crosby not playing for the Penguins, I don't know if he would ever do that. Like, there's really no need for him to do it. He's literally done every single thing that you can do. He has won everything. He's done everything. He doesn't have to do shit for anybody. But Penguins don't have to... You know, they, they'll do anything that, that Crosby wants. He wants to stay. They're probably going to keep him. But I think they're going to have to draw the line at, like, yo, uh, at asking Crosby. He's like, hey, should we should we keep Gensel for you for a couple years? Or should we trade him now at his highest potential trade value? I don't know. So that's going to be very interesting to see what's going to happen with the Penguins. Is there any more assets that they could trade off? on that team i mean sure like they got ricard raquel that could be moved probably some defensemen that aren't latang and carlson that they could potentially move could they maybe move one of those goaltenders i mean nadelkovich has been outstanding for him could could there maybe be a move there for him i don't think jari's gonna go anywhere but it's gonna be really interesting uh what's gonna happen with the pittsburgh penguins over the next couple seasons and you know what do y'all think do you think crosby is ever going to get be on the move like i would see malkin moving before but i think malkin would probably just retire before he would get traded but yeah it's gonna be really really interesting what's gonna happen with the penguins and then you have the nashville predators who has UC Soros. Now, he's not necessarily on the block. They're not, like, actively looking for it. But they have said, like, hey, if you, if you want him, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a lot. And, yeah, I mean, the asking price should be a lot for UC Soros. He's been consistently one of the best goaltenders in the league for four or five years now or whatever. And, oh, uh, did you know that he's only 5'11"? That's a short goaltender, but he's been fantastic. And there's teams out there that would love to add his services. Think of UC Soros on Edmonton. That'd be crazy. Think of UC Soros on New Jersey. That'd be crazy. Shit like that. Think of UC Soros as a Toronto Maple Leaf. Holy fuck, wouldn't that be something? But is that... I doubt, I highly doubt there would be a UC Soros trade that goes down at this deadline. If he's getting moved, it's probably going to be something that goes down in the offseason. But if New Jersey gets desperate enough, maybe they go out and just pay whatever astronomical price it is going to be for UC Soros. You would have to think uh, first, a top prospect, probably had to throw in like a Vanacek and fuck i don't know probably a roster something else uh, it'd be a big package for the nashville predators and i think honestly nashville should absolutely be considering moving uc soros he's been an outstanding goaltender for them yes but they have askarov sitting there in the system and askarov a first round goaltender Seems like he is going to be the next one for them, and he's just sitting there. So, might as well, man. Like, if UC Soros is going to ask for a lot of money on that extension, me personally, as a GM, I don't want to be giving a lot of money to goaltending. It's just too inconsistent. Even for a goaltender like UC Soros, who has proven to be pretty consistent, I'm still scared to give goaltenders, like, seven-plus million dollars. And I think UC Soros... Easily could be asking for eight, nine. Depends where he goes. If he goes to free agency, could he get nine? Maybe. Could he get eight somewhere? Probably. I mean, sure, absolutely. But if if, if it was me, I wouldn't be signing him for it. I just couldn't do it. But the UC Soros thing is out there. And could he get traded this, this season? Maybe. And also, I guess since we're on the Nashville thing, I will talk about the whole controversy around the, the Las Vegas Sphere debacle. So, the, the Nashville Predators had planned a trip while they are in Vegas to go to the Las Vegas Sphere and see the band U2 play. And they had tickets. A lot of the players were going to go coaching. Uh, the staff, not just the players, but like the the trainers, the medical staff, all that shit. They were all going to go. It was going to be amazing. And then Dallas rolls into town and fucking stomps. Absolutely stomps Nashville at home. I think 9-2 to or something. Former Nashville Predator Matt Duchesne hangs two goals on their head. And Barry Trotz has a fucking meltdown he goes full dad on them he says you're not going to your show we're ripping up those tickets nobody's going and nobody's having a good time fuck you 
Damn. So this is a very hot and cold topic. Some people are all for what Barry Trotz and and, uh, and management did to the players. You know, you're going to fucking play like that at home. You're going to embarrass yourselves. You're going to embarrass us. You're going to let a former player fucking come into our home, embarrass us on our ice, and then go out into our town and play at one of the most well-known bars and fucking crush it like Matt Duchesne playing live at, at Tootsie's, I think. Like, what? Absol- you know what? I'm on I'm on Barry Trot's side. You're not going. Fuck you. You're, you're staying home. We're having double practice. That is embarrassing. And he called them out on it. He was like, you guys were in vacation mode. You weren't thinking about the game tonight. You were thinking about that Vegas show tomorrow, and that's not all right. And bam, he laid the hammer down. And yes, it is 1,000% not fair for the trainers, the medical staff, all those guys. I feel like they should have still been able to go. The players shouldn't have been able to go. But when you really want to make a point and you want to make it like really, really hit, you, you do the thing like, oh, you ruined it for everybody kind of deal. You know, the one kid in class who's fucking around and it's like, oh, Timmy, Timmy won't shut up. So now none of us are going to McDonald's. Thanks a lot, Timmy. So that's kind of what's going on with the Nashville Predators right now and Barry Trotz. I don't know how that's going to play out long term. Like, team can totally, like, full mutiny on him and and, and try and get him fired. I don't know what's going to happen, but I kind of respect that decision, man. Like, yeah, you're going to play like that. You shouldn't get to go and do the thing that you want to do. So it's not, well, I mean, it is a pretty big deal because, like, you know, maybe I don't think U2 is going to be staying there for very long, so maybe that was like their one and only chance to see U2 in the sphere, but eh, it doesn't matter. There'll be other shows at the sphere you can go see, but I kind, I, I'm kind of on Barry Trot's side and, and management with that one. Um, yeah, man, play better. Like, it's your fucking hockey team. Don't go out there and get embarrassed like that. Like, brutal. So that, that was very interesting. I had to touch on that. Now, back to the trade deadline stuff we'll go over to minnesota here they had a wild week that uh fuck now i gotta talk about the 10 to 7 game what the fucking fuck was that holy shit man i saw that score i I watched the highlights and obviously the highlights were just goals that's all they could squeeze in there and that that was bananas man what uh kaprizov and joel erickson each had three goals and three assists six point games for them like i absolutely got I'm, my fantasy week is already over. I played against someone, playing against someone who had JT Miller and Zuccarello on, on their team, and they both had ridiculous nights. Uh, JT Miller had a hat trick. I think everybody had a hat trick in that game. Everybody should have had a point. I mean, wow. That was an insane freaking game. And I remember looking at it, I think JT Miller had a, a first period hat trick. It was like five to two. I was like, oh, well, it looks like Vancouver's won another game. And then what? I think seven goals from Minnesota in the third. Vancouver almost tied it up. And the game looked worse because there was two empty netter goals at the end from Minnesota. So it was basically an eight seven game, but ten to seven game. My goodness gracious. I can only imagine that um, Talkett was very, very upset with the Canucks after that performance, but. Back to Minnesota, we got Marc-Andre Fleury, so there's uh, there's some, a little bit of smoke around him, you know, is this going to be his last year in the NHL? Potentially, it very much, very well could be, but I wouldn't be shocked if he came back and played another year. Uh, he's come out, Marc-Andre Fleury's come out and said that he would like to stay with the, with the Minnesota Wild, and he still believes that they have a chance to make the playoffs, I mean, that's very sweet, that's very nice of you, Marc-Andre, but... You know what? If if I had to pick a place for him to go, if he could go somewhere, send him to Colorado. Make him the backup goaltender for Gorgiev. Gorgiev goes down. I think Colorado fans would feel pretty nice having a Marc-Andre Fleury backing him up. Head in there. I know Marc-Andre Fleury hasn't always been the best goaltender in the playoffs, but if I, if I had to send him somewhere, I think it'd be really fun for him to go over there. And just for, like, fantasy sake, let's just say Marc-Andre has a nice run with Colorado, maybe even wins the Stanley Cup, decides to stick around for another year. Crosby and the Pens are having a little bit of termulation. Crosby ends up over there in Colorado, reunites with Flurry, hanging out with his best buddy McKinnon. That would be fun. That would be a lot of fun. So we'll see what, what's going to happen with Marc-Andre Flurry. He says he wants to stay, but I don't know, man. Like, 
it was a hell of an effort for Minnesota to come back and win that game. So is is a win like that something that sets them off on a fucking seven, eight game winning streak? I don't know. But we'll have to just wait and see. That game was fucking nuts. Also, with the with the Canucks, I know there's a, a lot of the Vancouver Canucks fans. They really would like them to add uh, Frankie Vetrano. But looking at their cap friendly, they only have... They have under not even three hundred thousand dollars in salary cap right now, so I don't know how they can make that trade work. But I don't know; they'll probably make it work somehow. But let's let's take a look at some of the other uh, storylines heading into trade deadline that could be interesting. So we're still looking at the Flames being probably the favorite for the most moves of the trade deadline. They still have Chris Tanev and Noah Hannafin appears to want to be on the is going to be on the move. I think they have made that decision. And where is he going to end up? Um, from what I'm hearing, it sounds like the Boston Bruins are in on Hannafin. They have the I think Hannafin is from Boston or played from Boston, something like that. So there's a bit of a connection there. I know Leaf fans would love to have Noah Hannafin, a puck-moving defenseman, uh, a good one at that. Uh, I just think he's going to be too much. Uh, What Noah Hannafin, uh, the price for him, it's going to be a first, a roster player, and a prospect that is from what the sounds of it is, how good of a roster player, how good of a prospect. I don't know, but we all know that the Flames are more than likely just going to take the best package that they can. And kind of the same situation goes for Chris Tanev. We know that the Flames are trying their best to hold out as long as they can with Tanev and try and get that first-round pick. At this point, it really does feel like they're going to get that first-round pick. Are the Leafs going to to give that up? We They have that first-round pick. Ugh, I mean, I'd be 100% fine with that first-round pick moving if Chris Tanev had another year or if he is... willing to commit to another season at a decent cap hit for the Toronto Maple Leafs, then fine. Yeah, if I can get Tanev, get him signed for $2 million next year, yeah, I I would be okay with moving the first-round pick. Um, Don't love it, but, you know, maybe they can get a a second or a third-round pick and another deal somewhere else. They already moved Elias Lindholm. I feel like they did pretty fucking good with that deal right there. So far, so good. And then there's also the Jacob Markstrom thing. We know that New Jersey has the most interest. Now, from what I'm hearing, why that initial trade for Markstrom and the New Jersey Devils broke down was a a disagreement over salary cap retention. So they're probably working on a percentage. Find find a fucking number that works at this point. Just retain the salary. Retain 50%. Retain whatever you have to do to get the trade done. You have to move Markstrom. You have to do this. Retain what you have to retain. There's not many years left on it. You're not going to be good during those years anyway. So make it happen. And the bigger question is, could there be an even bigger deal in the works between Calgary and New Jersey? Could there be uh, a Noah Hannafin, Markstrom deal to New Jersey? Send them both over there. Now, that package would be immense. There there would be a big return there. Could could they get a Holtz? Could there be an underutilized forward that comes back in that, in that deal, similar to a Sharon Govich, which I think has been a fantastic add for... Uh, the the flame so far we know jersey is desperate for a goalie they really need it and i don't know i'm getting nervous the longer that this doesn't happen the more games that nico dawes is starting to play for new jersey starting to play really good but we'll see man hopefully that deal goes down just figure out the retention right there hopefully tanev doesn't go in that deal as well i think at this point New Jersey is more in the market for a, for a Noah Hannafin. They really need to try and fill that void that Dougie Hamilton has left behind. Uh, a pretty much irreplaceable offensive defenseman back there for them. And, you know, Luke Hughes is doing what he can, but he, he just isn't Dougie Hamilton yet. So, yeah, I, I feel like that could be the big blockbuster. There's got to be something between Jersey and Calgary. That looks like the big one, but until it happens, it hasn't happened yet. And there's other goaltenders on the market. We talked about Marc-Andre Fleury, but there's still Jake Allen, who has another year on his contract. Could he get moved? Uh, We know that I think Montreal is still asking for like a first-round pick for Jake Allen, which is going to be way, way, way too much. And there's also the Detroit Red Wings, still running the three-goaltender system with Huso, Reimer, and Alex Lyon. Doubt Huso's going anywhere, so... 
And Lyon is basically keeping them in the playoff hunt right now. So James Reimer seems like the guy to move. Is James Reimer really a goaltender that moves the needle for a team like New Jersey? Could be a decent backup goaltender for the Colorado Avalanche. But yeah, he's still out there. The Mers Lickens thing, I don't think he's going anywhere this season. It's if he, if he is going to get moved, probably in the offseason if something like that is going to happen. And then you have the Rangers. We talked about them potentially making a big move and we hear that capo caco could potentially be out there be on the move he hasn't had a good season he still hasn't had that breakout for for the the rangers he's a solid player but it looks like at this point probably a change of scenery would be best for him and you know short term a, a okay move for the rangers like i wouldn't want to move him but uh, especially, like, his, his value probably isn't going to be that high right now. Like, if you traded him last year or the year before, probably would have been a lot better, obviously. But could Capo Caco be on the move? Oh, buddy, I don't know. Someone could get a real steal right there if they can get Capo Caco for a decent. But I don't. I have no idea what his value would be right now. So, but you feel like the Rangers need to add something up front. We talked about the Gensel. Flyers are interesting. The Flyers are a really interesting team because, like, one week they're great, the next week they're they're not doing good, then they're back doing good again. But they have some players here, uh, some defensemen that could be on the move: Sean Walker and Nick Sealer, both pending unrestricted free agents. And you know, I know people like Sean Walker. They've been connecting him to the Leafs, but I, you know, Sean, let me look at Sean Walker. Is he big or something? Like, what's the deal with Sean Walker? Let's take a look here. No. No, 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 not feeling it. The dude is 5'11", like 190-something pounds. If Dubas was still uh, the GM of the Leafs, this is uh, ex- the, absolutely this guy is going to become a Toronto Maple Leaf, but it's not what they need. Yes, he shoots right. They do need that, but I we need big meat in front of the net for the Leafs right now. So I'm not very interested in Sean Walker. I feel like the price for him is going to be too high anyway for what he would potentially bring to the team so i'm i'm good and then we have the tampa bay lightning man they are definitely in the market to do something but are they though really so mikhail sergachev is off the board so that frees up a lot of salary cap for them but they don't have anything to sell man they they've been selling off the farm for years and years now there's like nothing left to sell do they even have any picks left what kind of prospects are left on this team I don't know, but they do have salary cap. So is there a move on the board for the Tampa Bay Lightning? You would think there should be. Maybe they grab a Sean Walker. They grab somebody that they because they, they got to try and fill in that Sergeyev uh, hole. And their, their defense is pretty thin already. So I could see the Tampa Bay Lightning adding at the deadline. But again, there's not many defensemen out there that I'm seeing. seeing. Let me take a look. And Nick Sealer, is this guy big? Is this guy is this guy gonna hit? Is he gonna be able to move things in front of the net? Oh, 6'3, that's pretty good. 197 pounds. I would like that to be more. Um, maybe, maybe. He's currently a plus 18. Okay. I can maybe get behind a Nick Sealer, but for a, a low price, that would be okay. But yeah, Tampa Bay should probably be looking at adding and just some other unrestricted players to consider there's adam henrique of the ducks he could get traded tarasenko of the senators anthony mantha of the washington capitals jordan eberle of seattle i would love for him to go back with edmonton that would be a lot of fun but i i don't think that can happen salary cap wise you got alexander wenberg of the kraken tyler johnson of the blackhawks and then defensemen, there's a couple names here that do interest me for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Actually, pretty much all of these names here. Alexander Carrier of Nashville, that would be sick. Ilya Labushkin, bring him back. Um, you know, that would be a good depth add. Like, not someone that is like an everyday player, I don't think. Maybe right now for the Leafs, but he's playing with the Ducks. Yoel Edmondson of the Capitals. Now, there is someone... I could be interested in now is there something there with the Leafs and the Capitals Yoel Edmondson and um what's that other guy that we talked about Nick Dowd if they could do something there I I could I could be tempted to uh for the Leafs to maybe pick up the phone and call up the Washington Capitals before they they believe that they can make the playoffs 
And then there's Eric Johnson of the Buffalo Sabres, another one that I would be rather interested in. Veteran defenseman, defensive defenseman, won a Stanley Cup. I could be into that. He's getting paid a lot right now, but Buffalo could retain. And uh, yeah, man, there's there's some defensemen on. I'd like all those defensemen. If the Leafs could add one or two of those guys, I wouldn't be very upset about that. And some other goaltenders that are out there as well. Capo Kakinen playing with the Sharks. I don't know how much interest there would be with that. And Eric Comrie of the Sabres. Again, I don't think there'd be all that much interest in either of those two goaltenders, but those are some other names that you know are on one-year deals that could potentially get moved, but it's not a guarantee. So let me know what kind of trades you think could happen. What's the what's the best trade that you think the Leafs could make make that can help out that blue line and also help them out with next season as well? So send those in, and let's finish off with a couple of final stories here. Uh, let's just talk about the Boston Bruins and the Milan Lucic situation. So a while back. Uh, uh, Milan Lucic had to leave the team because he was uh, charged with like a domestic abuse case. That's been dropped now. Not going to really get into why it's been dropped. It's fucking weird. But regardless, uh, Milan Lucic isn't going to be returning for the Bruins. Doesn't look like he's going to play with anybody this season. He's still under contract. So is this the end of Lucic? That'd be a really, really shitty way for his career to come to an end. So I really doubt it. I think he'll come back and play with someone next year. Just don't do any more domestic abuse, even though, like, I it's just... Okay, I don't want to hear that. Moving on, let's finish off with a nice story from the PWHL. They have set yet another attendance record in Toronto with over 19,000 in attendance, which is awesome. I was hearing... I think it was... I think it was Nurse. She was on Chicklets or something. Regardless, I was hearing tons of awesome stuff about the atmosphere in that building and and how many young girls with their signs and is awesome man i am very happy to hear about this this early success with the pwhl now what i would really love to hear is these teams getting some names for the teams i mean it's just the the pwhl toronto hockey team it's like okay we need a name we need names for these teams so that get some branding get fucking names on the jerseys and stuff like that that would be great but so far i think it's been an outstanding success for the pwhl i i would have loved to have been in that building just to feel what it would be like to be in an actual hockey atmosphere in the scotia bank arena i've seen a couple of games there the atmosphere is dog shit it's fucking brutal in there It cost me a fortune to be there, and I did not enjoy my time watching Toronto Maple Leaf hockey at Scotiabank, but the PWHL sounds like it was a building filled with actual hockey fans, and they were going crazy. So that is awesome for the PWHL. They continue to truck along, doing really well. I really need to buckle down and watch more of their hockey. I've been hearing there's been a lot of big, good hits in that league so far, so that's that's pretty cool. I think it's been a little bit low scoring, but regardless, people are going, and that is awesome. Just get some names for them, and I think we should be good to go, just like I think y'all are good to go right here. I think that's all the news I wanted to talk about this week. Oh, one more. Lost. Las Vegas Golden Knights, Alex Petrangelo hits 1,000 games. Congratulations, Petrangelo and the Blues still regret not re-signing you. So there you go, everybody. That is the podcast. Let me know what you think is going to happen at this trade deadline. Is it going to be crazy or is it going to be an absolute dud? It's kind of looking like it's going to be a dud of a trade deadline, but most of them are for the most part anyway. Don't go missing any work or school for the trade deadline. It usually ends up being a big old disappointment, but there you go. Hopefully this podcast wasn't a big old disappointment. Hopefully you're enjoying it. If you are, make sure you hit that little review button or the like or whatever you got to do. Only takes a second of your time and it really helps me and the podcast out all that great stuff. There is a Twitter page. You can go over there, follow along, and see all the announcements that come up and send in questions. There's a YouTube channel, Gamer GX Videos. I upload all these episodes over there. You can watch it, drop a comment, and I'll read it, and I'll answer your question live on the podcast if you want me to. That'd be a lot of fun. And yeah, there's also, what else is there? 
We got the gamer cast this week. I I know what I'm doing. I'm not going to tell you what game it is. That's a secret, but it is going to be a retro backlog episode this week for the gamer cast. It is a Nintendo game, so you can uh, speculate all you want, but that will be coming out this week. And we got a pretty big week for the WrestleCast. There is Elimination Chamber this weekend that goes down on Saturday, I do believe. So we'll have our predictions on the recap, regular recap, and then there will be an extra bonus pay-per-view review of the Elimination Chamber to go along with the recap. So there you go, everybody. That is the current schedule and plans for this week's GX Plus cast. And yeah, so thank you everybody so much for listening. Hopefully you're having a good day, good week, and continue listening to this podcast. Tell your friends, tell your mom, tell, tell everybody around you and all that great stuff. We'll be back again with some more GX Plus cast. <laughs>